Welcome back to the Sworn Testimonies podcast, a podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today, I'm going to be talking to you all about finding purpose, and it has been a highly requested topic, so I hope I do it justice. And before I jump in, I just want to say thank you all for listening and supporting me. This process has been amazing thus far. As much as I love podcasting, though, it can be exhausting. And like I'm recording right now at midnight. And as much as I want to get in the bed, I'm thinking back to all of your kind messages and your words and your encouragement. And it really keeps me going. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Whether you're listening in your car or getting ready for your day or at work when you should be focusing. Um, I hope that I have some things, some valuable things that I can share with you about finding your purpose. So before we even get into, you know, what it means to find purpose, I think it's important to understand that in, in order for you to even really engage in these exercises well, it's important to expose yourself to as much as possible. I say that because you don't know what you don't know, and you can't really be something that you've never seen or heard or experienced. And for me growing up, there were so many jobs and so many opportunities that I had just never heard of. My mom was a doctor, my dad was a lawyer, There were people, you know, I had my friends' parents that did different things, and I saw different professions on TV, teacher, police officer, nurse. But there were so many jobs and so many options that I didn't even know were available to me. And even being in college, when you're picking your major, a lot of times people start to ask you that stressful question of what's next after you graduated, So many of us are just pulling from the 10 or 20 professions that we've ever even been exposed to. Finding purpose is obviously a lot bigger than just um, working a nine to five or choosing a career, but it's important if you are on this journey of trying to figure out who you are and what you've been called to do on this planet to just expose yourself. How do you do that? Read, get online. If there are things that you like to do, seriously, Google is your best friend. If you like to write, you can literally Google, what jobs can I do and use my gift of writing? Or what jobs are available for writers? And lists of jobs will come up, and I guarantee you a lot of these jobs will be jobs that you've probably never even seen or thought of before, especially for my younger listeners. Because when you're only picking between 10 or 20 different careers or different options, you might feel like you have no purpose at all. So get out there as much as you can, expose yourself, and I think that will set you up to be in the best position to actually figure out what your purpose is. The next thing I want to talk about for those of you who have been told maybe in the past that overly focusing on purpose or passion is silly or unrealistic or selfish, I want to set you free of that. I personally believe that the world deserves the best version of you and of me. And in order to bring the best version of yourself, you have to be walking in purpose. I think on a good day, I am such a kind, generous, thoughtful, empathetic person. On a bad day, I don't pay attention. I'm selfish. I'm only really, you know, concerned about 
what's whatever's on my mind as opposed to being present with whoever's in front of me. I might not follow up. I'm forgetful. So the idea of not walking in purpose to me is silly because I'm like, if you want me to show up as the worst version of myself, sure, I'll forget all about chasing purpose and figuring out what I'm passionate about. But if you want to experience the best version of me and I want to experience the best version of you and I think is human beings and citizens of the world, we should be experiencing the best versions of each other, at least striving to do that. Um, It makes sense to walk in purpose. It's not selfish. You can't pour out uh, what's not inside. And I like to think of the way that we treat others as kind of like an overflow of what's going on. Try not to think about this as, you know, some siloed, ethereal experience that only certain people should be chasing we all were created for a purpose. I think we all have a reason for being on this earth, you included, whoever you are. So this is for you if you're listening today. So a lot of people will tell you when you're thinking about your purpose or trying to find your passion to make a list of things that you love doing. If that's you and you know how to do that, that's awesome. Like I think at this point in my life, I can write down a list of things that I love to do But for a lot of people, I know that that is very stressful. I have a really good friend, and we have these conversations about purpose all the time, and I used to always ask her, what do you love to do? And she'd be like, I love hanging out with my family and eating dinner, but I mean, what? I don't know what else I love to do besides that. And I'm like, well, those things are great, right? I love my family, and I love eating dinner too, Uh, but is there anything else inside you? What do you love? And I've realized that so many of us aren't necessarily good at, you know, separating what we tolerate versus what we like versus what we love. We don't actually know what we love. And some of that goes goes back to, I think, what I started this podcast with, uh, but we just haven't been exposed to enough. But I think a lot of it goes back to just having to accept a lot of our realities and not really taking the time to consciously think about what we love and what we don't love on a daily basis. It all kind of runs together to the point where we're not even sure what we love anymore. And this doesn't just stop with, you know, career, how you're spending your days. A lot of people in relationships will sit and ponder the question, do I love this person or don't I? And people don't know how to answer the question. And because of that, I think if it's something that you've struggled with and it's a lot harder to sit down and write a list of what you love to do than you know people may make it seem. There's nothing wrong with you. I'm going to give you an approach that might be very helpful. Instead of focusing on the positive emotions, because I think that a lot of those are jumbled, I think it can be more efficient to examine the negative emotions. And I say that because we're usually very clear that when we're feeling something negative, that, that there's something negative there. We might not know whether it's anger or sadness or frustration or embarrassment, but we know it's negative. Like something comes up in our stomachs and we can't deny the fact that there's something off or something wrong. So instead of asking yourself, what do you love to do? Ask yourself the question, what does your heart break for? When I say, what does your heart break for? I mean, what makes you cry? What keeps you up at night? What, when you hear about it, starts to stir your soul up? When you watch certain commercials, like, you know, my little sister, when she watches commercials of animals being abused, she gets so emotional every time. I don't get emotional. 
it's not because I'm a bad person. I love animals too. It's just not something that my heart naturally breaks for. Her heart naturally breaks for animals. Um, And, you know, that's kind of a small and silly example, but there's so much happening in the world right now. If you were to turn on the news, you know, if some of us would hear stories and get ridiculously angry about immigration and other of us would hear stories and get ridiculously angry about abortion and some of us would hear stories and not be moved at all, but we might hear about fast fashion and how that's destroying the environment and that might make our blood start ticking. So, you know, I can't tell you what that is for you, but ask yourself the question and, and, and all of this is going to require you to pay a lot of attention throughout your day as feelings and emotions come up. You know, what what makes you angry? What what makes your heart beat? Start there because a lot of times that's pointing you towards something that you you are passionate about. Another negative emotion that I think is worth examining is sacrifice and suffering. What are you willing to suffer for? Or what are you willing to sacrifice? I think on a good day, any of us can say that we can put up with something, right? Like when people are being really nice to us, when everything's going our way and everything's awesome, we can walk into a room and be the best versions of ourselves. But when things get hard, when people aren't nice, when things start to take a lot longer than we thought they were going to take, when they require us to stay up all night to finish something. I remember personally the first time I ever stayed up all night to complete an assignment that I wasn't even due the next day because I was such a nerd in elementary school. Um, I stayed up all night reading the book Little Woman by Louise May Alcott because I wanted to get my accelerated reader points the next day. It was very important to me. I don't know if any of y'all had accelerated reader, but it was very important to me to get as many points as possible. So my parents left and turned off the light. I turned on a flashlight, got under the blanket, and read that entire book. And that book is like 500 pages. I don't think I read the whole thing in a night. I think I read like a good portion of it though. And I was happy to do it. I was pumped. I was ready. And that's so consistent with who I am and my love for storytelling. I love a good story. I will stay up until four o'clock in the morning to finish a series. Ask me to stay up till four o'clock in the morning editing a contract. It's not going to happen. You know, editing a contract is something I'm good at. I mean, we're going to get to that. I think there are a lot of things that we're good at that we don't enjoy that can be very practical ways to pay the bills. And that's a blessing. If you have something that you're good at doing and you get paid for it, hold on to that. You know, it's not... And and I say this as somebody, obviously, that's making a job transition right now, but I didn't do that right away. And maybe for you, it'll come a lot sooner. All of our paths are so different. Maybe you work for two or three years out of college and then you, you know, step into your passion and you're ready to take that risk. And if that's you, that's awesome. Maybe you don't take a risk until you're 40 or 50 years old because it's super important for you that your student loans are paid off and you want to have that sense of stability. No one can really tell you what types of risk you should be taking because you're the person that has to take them and it has to be worth it for you and it has to make sense. I know with my job transition, although I'm not sure exactly what this next season is going to look like, I'm ready and I know that staying the same has you know, feels a lot scarier to me than moving on to the next thing, whatever the next thing is. So it's it makes sense for me. But you have to really ask yourself, you know, what makes sense for me in terms of transition. 
But when you do find that thing that you are willing to sacrifice for, you are willing to stay up all night, you are willing to suffer, when you find that person where you're willing to deal with, you know, the terrible pieces of who they are, not just the good pieces, the pieces that make you drive you would drive you crazy and make you want to pull all your hair out. Um, that's those are the things that you definitely want to pay attention to because that is indicative of loving something. So moving on from the negative emotions, what does your heart break for? What are you willing to suffer for? Another thing to pay attention to is what do people who know you come to you for? And when I say people who know you, that piece is very important. I think a lot of times people phrase the question and they say, you know, what do people come to you for? And a lot of times the people who don't know us aren't coming to us for the things that we give or, or have to give, or they're not coming for us for areas where we have fruit in our lives because they're not even, they don't really know what our strengths are yet. They don't know what fruit they have. They're coming to us based off the perceived notion of who we are, based off of the person that we show up to be in life, not actually the person who we are going through our, our days, or they're coming to us based off of a need that they may have and hoping that it's something that they provide, but they're not actually coming to us for who we are because they don't know who we are. So pay attention to the people in your life who actually know you, who actually know what you're good at, who've been around for some time and have some insight into who you are. What do those people come to you for? What do they trust you with? Do they trust you with your stories, with their stories? Do they trust you with their vulnerability? Or do they trust you with your money? You know, are the, is it someone's like, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and look at all my bank account numbers. I really need help trying to figure this out. And I know that you're the best person to do that. Do they trust you with your children, with their children? When people are placing trust in you, especially in one particular area, it's definitely something to pay attention to because as humans, we're not wired to just trust people. For a lot of us, we've been hurt and with so much like privacy concern going around and iPhones and computers and everything taking our data and our snapshots and our fingerprints. Trust is not an easy thing to come by. So when people trust you with something, you know, pay attention to that. The next thing I'm going to tell you to do, uh, and this I think is very helpful, not just from like a, I want to give back to the world standpoint, but also from a, I need to make money standpoint. What does the world actually need? What holes exist? What problems need to be solved? What problems have you noticed where you said, huh, this is a hole that exists in this world and somebody needs to fill it? Can you be that somebody? A lot of times, I know, especially with friends who have come to me with business ideas, it's, you know, sounds like a great idea in some ways, right? And that the person is really passionate about it and they're probably qualified to do it. And they might even be, you know, ready to suffer and put in the work and all of that, but they're not actually meeting a need that exists. If there's not a need that exists, you're going to have to create a need, which is a lot harder to do. You don't have to want to, you don't have to want to put yourself in a place where you have to actually create the problem and then solve the problem. Is it possible? Yes, but it's a lot more work and can feel downright manipulative. There are enough problems in this world that actually exist. So ask yourself the question, what does the world need? What do people need? And as many people who have businesses and as many problems that have already been solved, look around. This world is still very broken. 
there are so many things that we don't need and there are so many things that are inside all of us you know inside you who's listening right now that somebody needs but you really have to ask yourself the question am i giving something because i want to be seen am i giving something because i want the attention is this about ego or is this really a need that needs to be met because when you're trying to offer a need that actually needs to be met it's a lot easier to like just practically speaking if you're in a desert and people need water people are going to come to you. But if you're in a desert trying to sell sand, good luck. That's going to take a lot of marketing and a lot of convincing. And maybe your, you know, your gift is being able to convince people to buy things that they don't need. That's cool, I guess. Um, But I'm telling you, you will save yourself a lot of time if you can put that into the equation and ask yourself, what do people in this world actually need? So just to recap, I want to make sure that you all are actually asking yourself the questions. What does your heart break for? What are you willing to sacrifice and suffer for? What do people who know you come to you for? What does the world need? And now I want to add one that's extremely important. Is this actually a process that you are willing to go through? So there's this book called The Little Red Hen that I read when I was, I don't know, four years old. Um, And it's about this hen who has all these farm animal friends and she has these seeds and she asks, asks her farm animal friends like, who will help me like plant the seeds? And the cat is like, not I, said the cat. My friends and I in college used to say that all the time. Not I, said the cat. Um, And the dog is like, you know, not I. And the duck is like, no, not I. And she's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. I'm gonna plant these seeds by myself. And then she asks like, who will help me, you know, uh, make the wheat or churn the wheat whatever you need to make wheat and they're all like nah I'm good on that you got that you could you can handle the wheat yourself and she's like okay okay who's gonna help me carry the wheat to the mill and they're all you get you guessed it not I not I I'm not trying to help you but then she takes this wheat and makes bread when she asks the question who will help me eat the bread you better believe they were all like oh I want a piece of that bread And I tell that story because so many of us think that we want something, but it's not that we actually want the thing. We think we want the thing, but we're unwilling to go through the process. So if you're unwilling to go through the process, you actually don't want what's on the other side of it. You just like the idea of the thing. Like you like the idea of having bread. You don't actually want bread because if you wanted it or if you wanted it enough, you'd be willing to make it. And I find this extremely frustrating. I've had people, you know, reach out to me and ask, hey, uh, can you connect me to your editors at TV Fanatic or Thought Catalog or BuzzFeed, insert whatever place I've written for. And I try to be as helpful as I can. And But I, I obviously, this is my career. I'm not going to, you know, forge you along. No matter how close or cool we are, there's friendship and there's business. I'm not going to forge your information along if I haven't seen your fruit or at least seen a seed planted. So I'll say, you know, just email me a list of your writing samples. Email me three writing samples. I'll take a look at them. And if I think they look great, I will forward along. It's not only that people don't email me good writing samples. Most of the time, people don't email me any writing samples at all. You would be surprised how many people have never actually sat down to write like editorial length pieces, but they want me to introduce them to my editors. 
that doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, okay, so you don't actually want to write for this publication. You like the idea of writing for the publication. You like possibly the attention or the credibility, but you don't want to stay up all night working on the article. You don't want to you know, toil over your title and make sure it's catchy but not misleading. You don't want to ask people to check your work and check your grammar. You don't want to study storytelling and what makes a good story and how to keep people engaged for the, you know, at the beginning because if they're not engaged in the first seven seconds, they're probably going to stop reading. And these are all things that if this craft was important to you, you'd know. But you don't really want to be a writer, so they're not things that you know. And I say this because, you know, not because I'm trying to be mean or because I'm trying to be extra. If you were unwilling to go through the process, then that's not a thing that you actually want. And that's okay. It's not always a bad thing. There are things in my life that I thought that I wanted. I used to say all the time, you know, I want to be X, Y, and Z. But when it came down to the process, I was just unwilling. I was unwilling to do the work. I was uninterested and suffering through the process. I was uninterested in making it happen. And a lot of times it's because we don't know what the process looks like. So if you can find somebody that's doing something that you think you'd like to do, have some honest conversation with them, not just about how they got to where they are, but like what their process looks like. Like don't just ask where they worked. Ask what they had to do in order to be successful where they worked and then what they had to do to get to the next stage. Ask how much time it took. Ask what the investment looks like. Because if you're willing to put in the investment and you're willing to put in the work and the time and it's still attractive to you, that's probably an indication that this is something that you're passionate about. So if you've gone through all the other steps and you've come up with things that you think you're passionate about, the next step I would say would be to try the process. And if the process is unbearable for you, at least maybe at this point in your life, cross it out and try something new. Because if there are things that have been on your list for 10 years that you just haven't dealt with yet and you haven't done, either it's not something you really want or there is fear or trauma or something inside you that is keeping you from moving forward. And those are probably things that you should work on fixing first before you try to move into the thing. Because purpose is work, y'all. Finding your purpose, it's not like, and and everyone has a different experience, and I I don't want to sound preachy, but in my experience, finding purpose has not been like this easy path. I didn't just wake up one day and I was like, I know exactly who I am and I know what I want to be and I know exactly how I'm going to do it. It's a process. And a lot of times our nine to fives aren't really in line with our purpose. And as I mentioned earlier, that's okay. Like for those of you that know anything about Jesus, he was a carpenter. We don't ever really talk about him fixing tables like that. I'm sure, you know, that was his trade. That was cool and everything. But my man was a storyteller. My man was a healer. My man was out here, you know, a philanthropist, giving back to people, washing people's feet, teaching people. Those are the things that we talk about. And those are the things that made a difference. Not to say that he didn't make some awesome table that somebody ate on somewhere that wasn't real cool, too. Um, But your purpose It doesn't always have to be aligned with what you're doing to make money. And hopefully at some point you'll be able to bring those things together. But don't limit yourself to just thinking through purpose, thinking about, you know, well, what did I go to school for? 
What have I been trained in? A lot of times the things that we're actually, you know, that are purposeful to us are the things that we're actually really great at. Traditional education, or at least traditional education in America, is not set up to help you find your purpose. The educational system is supposed to help you learn or gain a skill that will allow you to assimilate into our economy and be productive, but a lot of times it's the opposite of what what purpose is, right? Like you're following directions, you're doing what people have told you to do. No one's actually asking you, you know, what are your gifts and your talents and how can we help to cultivate those things and bring them out of you in a way that not only fulfills all of who you are, but gives back to humanity. We're not taught how to do that. So if your degree or your job is not in line with your purpose, that's okay. Join the rest of America. Um, or, you know, whatever country you're living in, I'm not sure what your educational system is like, but you know, purpose doesn't start and stop with your career or your major. Uh, so it's okay to kind of think about, think outside the box when you're trying to figure out what your purpose is. And another thing I have to mention too is that it is definitely a privilege to walk in purpose. It's a privilege to even be able to sit down and have this conversation with you and for you to be able to receive wherever you are listening to this. You know, in so many places around the world, people are just having to wash windows or pick up rocks or collect trash or do whatever they have to do to get by and don't even have the luxury of having the time to sit around and think about you know, who they are and to make lists and write them in their journals and to listen to podcasts. We are so privileged to even be having this com- having this conversation. And when you think about your purpose that way, you treat it differently, right? Like it's not this thing to just be taken lightly. This is a precious gift that God has given so many of us living in this country to be able to walk in purpose and to spend the time to consider what we've been created to do and to pay attention to our giftings and to give back to the people around us. So whatever your purpose is, I want to encourage you to take it seriously, right? Like it's it's fun and it feels good. It's fulfilling. If you've been going through life with that feeling that like something is missing, like you might have a relationship with God, you might have a romantic relationship, you might be making good money and something still feels off or you're still searching for something. You're trying to reach that next, like the the valid, you're trying to look for validation or you're trying to, you know, feel worthy or feel accepted or you're, you know, engaging in the adrenaline that comes with using social media or getting a text message. Like everybody, every time somebody sees you or acknowledges you, your heart beats fast and it feels good for a second and the feeling's gone. And you're like, okay, how do I keep that that adrenaline? How do I keep that rush? Because when it's coming from other people, number one, you're always going to be disappointed at some point because there are times in our lives where we have to walk through them alone and we just don't get the attention that we want. Number two, attention gets old after a while when it comes from the same people in the same way. So then we start looking for new people to get attention from and new experiences and new, 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 because we always have to keep that rush of like a new experience high. I'm telling you from my experience, walking in purpose sets you free from a lot of those things. You're not looking for 
you know, new people and new experiences and, you know, another drink, another hit of whatever drug you're doing to experience some high. You get it naturally just because you're, you know, in the environment you were created to be in. People talk about, you know, a fish outside of water feels like it's not good for anything. If you're a fish swimming through trees, you might feel like, what's the point of me being here? I might as well die. I suck at this. But if someone were to put you in water, you'd be like, oh, I was created for this. This works. Like, this feels good. And I want all of you to have that feeling. I'm telling you, there is nothing in the world like walking in purpose. So I hope that this has been helpful for you in some capacity. Please know that this is a process, a sometimes a very long, difficult, painful process. I don't expect you to listen to this podcast and then wake up tomorrow and be like, I know exactly what my purpose is. If that happens, that's awesome. Uh, but I'm really just hoping that this at least plants a seed inside of you for you to be able to kind of go through your day differently and asking yourself the right questions. Like, you know, when you do have a feeling, paying attention to that feeling or when, you know, you know that you don't like something or when you have that feeling of like heartbreak, asking yourself, why is my heart breaking? What's on the other side of that? Just really being conscious and present. We use the word present a lot when we talk about, you know, our interaction with other people, but finding purpose requires you to be present with yourself and to check in. Ask yourself not just what you're feeling, like am I angry, am I upset, am I excited, am I afraid, but ask yourself why you're feeling what you're feeling. And just that exercise alone, I promise you will learn so much about who you are. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, please feel free to uh, reach out. This episode in particular, I'm happy to kind of chat through some of this with you guys. If there are things that you feel like you want to share with me, Um, I might not be able to get to all of you right away, but I really enjoyed this back and forth conversation. Sometimes it can feel weird just sitting here like I'm talking to myself. Uh, But when you respond to me and you send me emails and you send me questions, it feels more like a conversation and I am happy to engage. So again, thank you for listening and I will talk to you next week.